This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to the program, everybody. I'm so fired up today. I have a man I've admired from a distance for so many years. He is one of the great leaders in American sports. He just is. And he does it with a style that is all his own. And it's one that I've admired from a distance. Some of our mutual friends have confirmed what a good man he is for me. And uh, let me tell you, 140 and 33, well, he's been at Clemson as the head football coach there. But he started to get better and better and better. Last three years, only lost three games. Undefeated in 2018. Two national championships. The list goes on and on. And uh, this is from a guy who was a walk-on at Alabama, by the way, which is even more ironic that you went to Alabama. Now you coach at Clemson. But I am honored to have Dabo Sweeney on the program today. Coach, thank you for being here. Thank you, Ed. It's good to be with you, man. This is uh, what, a, what, a, what a great, uh, great, great treat to, to be on, uh, on this podcast or show and, and uh, opportunity to, to meet you. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Coach. So we're going to go all over the place. We're going to talk leadership, recruiting, culture, all these different things. But as I was reading about you, you know, you walked on in college and then you, you end up that you win a national championship as a player too. A lot of people don't know that. So you've done a lot of winning in your life, but you get this job. And I heard you say that they rated you a D plus higher because you were like the interim coach. But is this true? Because I want everyone to get this. A lot of you that are listening to this, your entrepreneurs, your leaders, Maybe you're a little bit young in some cases too. This man was 38 years old when he takes over this program. Is it true that when they hired you, you went like in literally into a closet, like a physical closet and we're talking to yourself? Is that actually true? <laughs> that is true. Uh, so, so what happened is I just, you know, came to work on um, October 13th, 2008. I was an assistant uh, in my sixth year here as an assistant and uh, middle of the season, three and three, we were coming off a tough loss and, and they decided to make a change at, uh, at head coach, uh, the head coach position. And, you know, I, I had no really, I mean, absolutely no idea. We, we had a 7 a.m. staff meeting that morning and it was actually my day to, to do the devotion kind of rotates around the room and it just happened to be my day that day. Mm. And it was just business as usual. It was a Monday. We were going to play Georgia tech that weekend and at our staff meeting, like we always do, Went on in our offensive meetings. Uh, I was an offensive coach, and so we're in our planning. And about mid-morning, uh, about 10.30 or so, the operations guy walks in and says, hey, Coach Bowden needs to see the whole staff in the staff room. Well, that never happens. Uh, we had already had staff meeting that morning, so it was really kind of odd. Uh, so we all got in there, knew something was going on. He walks in, and, and he basically just said, you know, he was – didn't have a lot of words. He just said, you know, how much he appreciated us. And, wow. and Hey, this is something that's going to happen. We're going to make it, they're, they're going to make a change. And uh, he said, you know, Hey, look, I'm good. He said, I just, you know, worry about all you guys. I'm going to visit with you individually in, in, in due time. But right now the AD wants to step in and say a few words. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're sitting there and, you know, you got a lot going through your mind. I'm a young guy, I got a young family, you know, mm -hmm. people going on AD steps in. AD was, was not a man of many words either, uh, old school guy from Arkansas. And he basically just said, hey, look, you know, uh, this isn't something that I wanted to happen. I, but he did tell Coach Bowden he was going to make a change at the end of the year, regardless of what happened. And, and Coach Bowden, and, and they revisited later on that morning and said, you know what, this is going to be a, a negative seven weeks. You know, why don't we just make a change here and, and let's let Dabo be the interim. And uh, Coach Bowden, the head coach, he – he kind of 
you know, said, hey, would you consider Dabo being the interim? And, and AD said, absolutely. He said, I, you know, and so anyway, next thing you know, he walks in and he says, hey, uh, uh, here's what's happening. You know, I know it's a tough business. I expect y'all to just continue to do your job. We got a bunch of kids that's counting on us. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he said, uh, Dabo, you're now the head coach. And I need to see you in my office in five minutes and, <laughs> and walked out. And so, you know, he walks out, we're in there. It was this weird moment, kind of slamming pens and notebooks. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it got dead quiet and everybody in the room is looking at me. I mean, I'm in sweatpants. I mean, this is Mondays are long days in our world. And, uh, and just, you know, I didn't, I didn't even really know what to say, but it was just, I mean, I was like having an out of body experience, you know, sure. but I, I just said, you know what, hey guys, you know, look, let me go meet with him. We'll, we'll, we'll get back together in a little bit. I didn't even really know what to say. And I went and got, went to my office and uh, grabbed a notebook and a pen, called my wife on the way to his office, said, hey, you know, we just got let go. They just fired Tommy. Oh my God. I said, oh, it gets worse. I'm the interim. And, uh, and I said, I don't know when I'll talk to you, Kath. And so I, so I go around and take a deep breath. I walk in his in, in his office and I really went in with the mindset of this is going to be a miserable. We had six games left and an open date. So seven weeks, this is going to be a miserable seven weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and but I'm thinking he's probably going to tell me, hey, do a good job. I'll try to get the next guy to keep you or something, you know, mm-hmm. along those lines. But just the opposite happened. There's such great lessons that came out of that that I still tell people to this day when I go speak. So I walk in this man's office and I sit down. And he looks at me and he said, he said, Dabo, let me tell you something. I know you're in a tough spot here. He goes, but here's what I want you to know. And he kind of told me how it all kind of came about. He goes, but here's where we are. He said, for the next seven weeks, I want you to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be the interim head coach. For the next seven weeks, I want you to do whatever you think you need to do to fix us. Mm-hmm. He said, if you need to fire the whole staff, fire the whole staff. He said, whatever you think you need to do, for the next seven weeks, you have my full support. That was a mistake on his part, okay? But this is what he tells me. And then he goes, he said, for five and a half years, I've watched you. Mm -hmm. I've watched how you've led your players, how you've handled yourself in the community. I watch you with your family. He said, I see these kids in your office. I've seen how you handle uh, discipline and recruiting. Mm -hmm. And he said, Dabo, I'm going to be honest with you. I've done this a long time. He said, I Personally, he said, I think you're what we need here at Clemson. Wow. He goes, he goes, so what I want you to know is when this thing's over, you're going to get an interview for the job. Mm-hmm. He said, he goes, whether you win them all or lose them all, he said, I'm going to give you an interview for this job. He goes, now I'm going to hire the best coach. And I'm going to go all over. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to hire the best coach. He goes, but I'll say it again. I think you're what we need at Clemson. He wow. goes, it sure would help if you could win a few ball games. <laughs> and, right. and then he goes, and then he kind of sits back and he says, you got any questions? And I, and I'm like, I mean, I, my mind, my whole mind. So now my mind is racing. So yeah. I, I, I leaned up and I said, so, so you're, you know, I said, well, I appreciate that. And I said, you're telling me that, that like I can be the head coach. And uh, for seven weeks, he said, I'm telling you, whatever you think we need to do, you need to do to fix us. You got my full support. Mm. And I'm like, and I, and so, so I walked out of this, this office and I'm, I've had a notepad and my mind is racing. Yeah. 
And I, you know, cause I went in there with one mindset and I came out with a different mindset. And the lesson that I got from that was number one, you never know who's watching. So just be great at whatever you do. Wow. You know, I mean, whatever it is you're doing, just be great at it. So many people, especially in this business, they're chasing things. They want this title or they're this and that. And, and the grass is green where you're watering it, right? You know, it just, just be great where you are. Just be great where your feet are. Bloom where you're planted is what I always say. You don't know who's watching. But I know this. If you're great at what you do, people will notice that. Amen. And so that was a lesson. And I, and I, but, and I learned that as a player, same thing happened to me as a player, I, I'm a sophomore, I'm a walk on, I come to a Tuesday practice. Boom. They say, Hey, we're going to give you a shot, hmm. you know? And I didn't even know he was paying attention. Next thing you know, I let her three years, I get a scholarship, win a national championship. But, but the second part of that lesson is you got to be prepared for your opportunity. Hmm. You know, you got to be prepared for your opportunity. You may, you may not ever get it, but, but right. Better be prepared, you know, uh, what anyway, you, so what did you do, coach, to be prepared? Like, yeah, so, they, so he so, tapped you on the shoulder. You're ready. Did you think you were ready? Absolutely. So, so mm. to answer that, so when I walked out of there, I went in a closet. I literally, I went in like you a did. that's a true half story. janitor closet, half vent, and I just closed the door and I just sat in there. And for 45 minutes, I just started writing. Mm. I just started writing, and it, I was all over the place. You know, I'm thinking recruiting. I'm thinking discipline. How I want to change practice. What would I want to do this week? How am I going to meet with the team? I got to meet with the staff. Is there anybody I need to make a change with? You know, I'm going to run the offense. I'm going to, you know, I had all these things going on and I'm just scribbling a hundred things, you know, for that moment. Yeah. All right. But as I, and so, so I go through that, but the second part of it is from the time I got into coaching in 1993, I was preparing to be a head coach. Mm. All right. I didn't know if I'd ever get a chance to be a head coach, but I was just, I love what I do. I love what I was doing. I love my, I mean, I just was trying to be the best at whatever it was, but I started kind of building a book, started putting a, a, a head coach book together in 19, I mean, literally right out of the gate, things I liked, things I didn't like, uh, you know, uh, academic stuff, uh, philosophy of offense, philosophy of defense, philosophy of recruiting, philosophy of special teams, you know, who I would want to hire, you know, what would be my staff expectation, you know, whatever, how I would run practice, you know, and I started putting all this, just building this all over the years and all through the years, I, oh man, I like that, throw it in the book. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a lot of times, so I coached eight years at Alabama when I finished playing, I played five, coached eight. And a lot of times we learn more from the bad than we do the good, you know, and that's called experience. You know, when, when, when we touch that hot stove and we get that big, you know, we learn, right? Yes. Uh, but the wise man learns from other people's experiences. So, so we all learn from our own. That's just life. Mm -hmm. But man, I just spent a lot of time learning from other people. And, and, and I do that with my players to this, to this day. I send them stuff from all over the country all the time, you know, whether it's something good or something bad, you know, to, to learn from others. And so I just was started going through things and, and I spent the first seven years, I spent all seven years of coach Stalin's career at Alabama with him. And then all of a sudden I start working for other people, getting exposed to different things. And I start going oh, Well, now I know why he did it that way, wow. you know? And, and so I started having things reinforced and then I started, you know, growing into my own as far as yes, you know, my beliefs, my philosophy. Yes. And I started putting all this together. And, and what happened to me, this was a great, great, turning point for me in 2000, um, I think it was 2006, they were starting a football program at the University of South Alabama. 
the Jaguars down in Mobile, and they're they're a good program. But they were starting football there, mm-hmm. and and they reached out to me to come interview for the job. And I'm like, you know what, you know what? And and it was and to be quite honest with you, and I, I only told this to my wife. If I had gotten the job, I wouldn't have taken it. But I told Kath, I said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare for this job like it's the University of Alabama. Like it's the job. And and so it forced me to take all those years of stuff and I put it together and I organized and I went after that job like it was the greatest job. I mean, I had Jaguar Nation. We're fixing to rule the world, man. I had everything in there. And so so I had I was prepared and and. You know, and I finished like second or third on the job. They didn't offer me the job, yeah. uh, but but I, I finished second or third on the job. But I, I really wouldn't have taken it if they'd offered it, but That's it was crazy. such a great process. And so all of a sudden, two years later, I'm the interim head coach at Clemson. And so wow. when I'm going to get an interview, so I'm in, I'm in the middle wow. of the season. I'm in chaos. I'm making changes. I got all this stuff going on. And but when that season was over, you know what I did? I walked in. I had the president. I had the the AD, the assistant, I, and I had them all a book. And I said, "Hey, this is who I am. This is what we're going to be. This is how we're going. This is what we're going to do. This is what our philosophy is. This is this is how we're going to run the program. This is the staff I want to hire. This is you know uh, uh, our discipline policy, uh, uh, policy. This is what I believe in. And you know, bam, here we go." That to me is like, uh, Coach, I feel like we just did the whole show. Like, I hope everybody got this and goes all the way back. All this stuff about blooming where you're planted, the grass is greener where you water it. I've actually never heard it said that way before. But this idea that he was blooming where he was planted, being the best and great at what he did, but preparing for the future all the time. It's amazing to me, even entrepreneurs that even will listen to the show, they'll write down little keys. But are you watching how the guest says it, how they phrase it, how they position it, how they tell a story, how I do it, where you work right now? If you're, if you're, you know, an employee somewhere? Are you prepping to be a business owner someday, studying what works and what you said too about what doesn't work? Are you keeping that binder that coach kept of keeping these notes? And experience allows you to anticipate too. If you don't have experience, I think you're constantly reacting. Yes. And I think what happened was when you got this job, a lot of guys get that opportunity. They didn't prepare like you. Now they're just reacting, recruiting this problem, the boosters. We just had this loss. Oh my gosh, our center's hurt. And they're reacting all the time. This allowed you, I think, would you agree with me, coach, that preparation allows you to anticipate situations sometimes that you wouldn't get if you weren't prepared. You got a plan. You know, Abraham, one of my favorite quotes from Abraham Lincoln was, if you, Abraham Lincoln said, if you give him six hours to chop down a tree, he's going to spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. Mm. You know? I mean, it's all about preparation. It's just in my world and what we do, we only play about 3% of the time. We prepare 97% of the time, but it's what you're doing when nobody's watching. That's what separates people. You know, you didn't get here. I, I don't know your whole background, but I guarantee you, you didn't get here doing this show. You didn't just show up. I mean, it's what you're doing. Championships are won when nobody's watching. They're when the stands are empty. And it's the same thing with people. Champions are made when what you do when nobody's watching. We, you know, so it's that 97% of the time. You know, we all work, we have jobs, but it is all about preparation and having a plan. And so be, having a vision, being able to articulate that vision. You're going to deal with young people today. Number one, they better know that you care. Number number two, you better be able to communicate why. Hmm. All right. And so, and you've got to be able to articulate a vision and get people to buy in and get behind that. I don't care if you're running a company or whatever it is, but the other key thing, this is very important because, you know, especially in my world and I deal with a lot of young people. And I deal with a lot of young coaches now, you know, and, and I've been, I've been, 
I've, I've been eight, I've been an 18 to 22 year old and I have a PhD in 18 to 22 year olds. Cause I've spent my entire life with that group, right. my whole life. Right. And, and I, in fact, I was at a convention a, a, a couple years ago and I had this young couple of young guys. I'm, I'm going up, we were, we were in uh, Louisville and I'm going up to going back to my hotel room and I'm standing over by the elevator and these couple of these young guys came up to me and they were like GAs at uh, grad assistants somewhere. At, I don't know if they were at Baylor or where, some, some school. And they came up to me, like, Coach Sweeney, Coach Sweeney, you know, just wanted to introduce themselves. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you guys. And I'm literally standing there at the elevator and they're like, um, they're like, you know, Coach Sweeney, listen, we just, you know, we just want to, you know, they wanted me to give them like, you know, <laughs> 30 years of stuff and knowledge in, in, a, in a minute here. And they want to go, they want to go from GA to head coach. And I, and I just, and they listen. I said, well, here's, here's what I would tell you guys. All right. And it's exactly what I just said. I said, be great. At whatever you're doing, if you're the GA, be the best GA in the history of GAs. If your job's to go get the coffee, man, you bring the best coffee that anybody's ever got. You get that coffee, man. Everybody's going to manage. You get that call. This guy's unbelievable. All right. People notice that. I said, I can't tell you how many people I've hired that they don't have some fancy resume. What they got is they got an unbelievable work ethic and attention to detail. And they're just so focused being great at what they're doing. They don't get distracted. So that's number one, prepare, but you need to hear me on this guys. I'm about to get on this elevator and I'm going to hit 14 because I'm on the 14th floor. And when the doors open, I'm on the 14th floor. Well, let me tell you this, you gotta, you gotta take the steps. All right. There's no elevator to being a head coach. There's no elevator to being the CEO. There's no elevator to greatness. You got to put the work in and take the steps, period. And you know what? Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's not about, because because I've been to the top. I tell our guys all the time, I've been to the mountaintop and it's awesome. And we love it. We climb a mountain every year at Clemson. That's kind of our, yep. our thing. You know, how you climb a mountain, one step at a time. We love that. And we, we start out base camp. You know, and, and at the top of the mountain is awesome, but that's not what it's all about. That's just a moment. What you what you will cherish more than anything is the journey that it took to get there. Like, man, what it, what it took to get there, the people you were with, the relationships that you developed along the way, the failures that you had, the mistakes that you made that you learned from, that you grew from, that's what you cherish more than anything. Everybody looks and they see the, the, the grand moments, you know, yeah. Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. That's great. You know what Tom Brady's going to remember more than anything? Man, those practices, yeah. you know, getting together with the guys, the bus rides, the plane rides, the the when nobody's watching, the preparation. 100%. That's what it takes. I'm and getting you, goosebumps, y'all. Like you got to fall know. in love with that. You got to embrace the suck, right? There's a lot of it that just sucks. And you got to you got to fall in love with that part. If you're going to if you're going to, you know, do anything great in life. It's not going to just happen. So the preparation and falling in love with the preparation, all the great players that I've been around, that's what separates them. Gotcha. They love the preparation. Mm. Everybody loves to play. Yeah. All right. But it's falling in love and embracing the suck along the way. That's, that's what separates us. Oh my gosh. Very rarely am I in the middle of one of these shows. I'm like, this is freaking great. You know, we're in the first <laughs> quarter just because it's a, I, I just want you, I just want to keep going, but I was going to say this to you. I just gave a talk this weekend, a bunch of entrepreneurs, very high end entrepreneurs. I said, I'm going to give you my overall business philosophy. It's going to surprise you. I said, here's what it is. Everybody you encounter wants to feel this from you, that you love them, care about them, believe in them, and you can show them how to get a little bit better. That's right. it. 
and they're saying, help me. You said it of young people, but it's true, I think, coach, of all people, as you said. And then this notion, I just want to review. I'm not going to review everything he says, but he says so many good things. This idea of the love of the preparation, I promise you that's true across the board with the athletes I've worked with too. But in addition to that, being able to create a vision that you can articulate, that people buy into, is like you're listening to this man talk. There's a rhythm. There's a fl- It's so easy to listen to him. He wasn't born with that. That's something that he's worked on over time. The other thing you've done, Coach, and I'd like some keys from you on this for myself, is you've created a culture there, right? There's a culture there. There's the Tiger Walk. Maybe you could share with everybody a little bit about that. Do my research, right? But there's, there's this culture you've created, and I think teams, organizations are a reflection oftentimes of the personality, the character of the leader. And, and I feel like your program, maybe more than any that I've heard about, sort of reflects that that culture that you create because of the man you are. Give us some tips on creating culture and maybe tell them what the Tiger Walk is in addition, if you can squeeze it in. Yeah, well, the Tiger Walk, back to that week of being an interim, all right, that, that I get the job on Monday. I don't sleep Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And all of a sudden, Wednesday night, I get this, I, I finally get to that, one of those sections, I'm scratching off all those notes that I had written down. I was like, oh, you know what? I want to do this Tiger Walk thing. I went to the AD, you know, it told you it was the worst thing he told me. Because I did about three things in three days. And he's like, no, wait a minute. We can't do that. And I said, you told me that what you would support for seven weeks, I could be the head coach. And so that was my, kind of my, my little calling card. And he would, he's like, well, okay. I said, I want to get him to drop us off out in the middle of the road on Perimeter Road here. And we're going to walk to the stadium. He's like, what? We can't do that. We got troopers. I changed the route, everything. Changed how we come in. It was a, it was pandemonium. And I said, well, you told me. I said, that's what I think I need to do to fix us. And so I literally, what, what it was, was for six years of being an assistant, it used to drive me crazy because I would be over there fired up because I was, I was never with the team. I was over there recruiting and I would walk through the parking lot. And man, by the time I got in the stadium, I was ready to just punch somebody, you know, just could feel the energy and the passion. And our players would pull up on a bus in a sweatsuit and get off and walk in with headphones and, and they weren't engaged and they didn't get it. And we used to take some crazy route through the, through the farmlands and you never saw anybody and you just pull up. And, and so that was, that was literally like Wednesday night. I said, we're changing all that. I said, these guys need to understand how important it is and they need to feel the passion. They need to feel the, the energy from these fans. I said, and, and so we literally, and it, they were all freaked out. They were worried about security. I mean, it was like, cause we're going to get off at the, at the part and we're literally walking. It's a long walk right through the main area. And I mean, there must have been 40,000 people out there. It's incredible. And to this day, it's what we do. And it's exactly what happened. By the time we got there, like they got it. Like, guys, this is important. This means a lot to a lot of people, you know, and, and, and we're coat and tie, you know. Uh, it takes a little more effort, you know, to get up and get ready. And so that was kind of how the Tiger Walk came about. And we've done it ever since. And it's just been an amazing thing. But, but to me, you know, I, I, the, everything comes back to the people. You got to get the right people involved. But I just want our culture here, we talk about getting everybody kind of all in and committed, you know, to being their best in everything they do on and off the field. Not just, we don't, when, and we don't ever talk about being the best. That's, that's something that, that we, and that's kind of how I ended up getting connected with, with John Gordon a couple of years after I got the job. I didn't know him, but we got to be our best. You know, I mean, whatever our best is. And, and if you're not willing to be committed to that, then you're never going to have a chance to be the best. You know, maybe be, we can be the best, 
but we got no chance. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, in a race, everybody runs, right? Everybody runs, but only one wins first prize. So run your race in such a way as to win. That's what all ends about. Don't just run the race. Don't just go to work. Don't just go to practice because it's time to go to practice. Don't just go to that math class because it's what's time I'm supposed to go to math class. Go with some purpose. Run the race to win. Learn to do your best. Make excellence a habit. And when you do that, eventually you will become your best. And guess what? That's what God created us for is to be our best. You know, so that's just the mindset that I have. And so coming into this thing, I was like, I got to get all in. Our culture is family. All right. So, so creating a family atmosphere. Well, how do you do that? You don't just say, all right, we got a family atmosphere. Right. No, you got to be intentional about that. Intentional about who you hire. Do they value family? You know, be intentional about being inclusive. Like our wives, our kids, it's, they're here all the time. You know, I mean, they're, we're practicing on this field. We got a kid's game going on the other field. Every Wednesday night, it's family night. All of our wives, our kids, that's one of the things I missed the most last year during COVID was we couldn't do all that. Mm. But, but so it's a family atmosphere. The, the, the next thing is in our culture is uh, communication, mm. layers of communication. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it, it, you know, it's my Sweeney leadership group. It's the Sweeney council, the Sweeney huddle, you know, just layers of communication and different perspectives, staff meetings, and just how we go. We start over every year. I start over every year as if we all just landed from another planet and have never met each other. And I, and I reinstall the program every year as it for like, just like we just got here. And that's how I protect the program. All right. So, and that, so communication, communication leads to trust and respect. You can't have anything great if there's not trust and there's not respect, all right? And then, as I said earlier, you gotta have a vision. You gotta be able to articulate a vision that everyone understands, that everybody in the building can articulate from the person who greets them at the door to the people cleaning the building, to the secretaries, to the coordinators, to the players. Everybody's gotta be able to articulate that vision. And we call that our common purpose. You know, and, and, and our common purpose is to graduate our players, equip them with tools for life, make sure they have a good experience and win a championship. And everything in our program is about that. So we all know that, but, but the other kind of key component to the culture that we have is appreciation. You know, having a genuine appreciation for each other's role. So that's how you get people to buy into being great at whatever they do. You show appreciation. No one's better than anyone else. And, and you know, we, we, the, I took one quote when I got the job, all right? George Washington Carver had a quote. That's the only quote I had in the building and I put it up and I said, this is how, took a couple things here. We're gonna be all in. That means being committed to being our best. We're gonna run the race to win, all right? And then the second thing, I, I put that quote up. And I said, guys, this is how we're gonna be great at Clemson. And you gotta remember in 09, we hadn't won an ACC championship in 20 years. We had not won 10 games at Clemson in 20 years. All right, and now the last decade, we're the second winningest team in the country, us in Alabama. We've had 10, 10 plus win seasons in a row, third longest streak in the history of college football. We had the third winningest decade in the history of college football. We've won seven conference titles and, and two national championships. And so, and you know how we did it? Here's how we did it. Yeah. Well, well, two things, two things. This is so good. Two things. We did it this way. And I walked into my first ever meeting with the players. And I walked in with these two signs right here. One says believe, and the other one says it can't be done. Look at with, the T, with the T crossed out, right? 
And, I, and my message to the team, the very first team meeting was, we got to create an attitude of belief. We got to create a culture that expects. But the only way we can do that is we got to make some decisions around here. All right, we got to quit. We got to quit hoping and we got to start believing. And the only way that's going to happen is we got to get all in and we got we got to be committed to being and doing the best that we can possibly be doing everything that we do. And if we do that, we're going to have a chance to be special. And then I took that quote and I said, I put this quote. Y'all see this right here? This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it our way. If it don't work, I, can, I got nobody else to blame but myself. I'm a D plus hire. I'm not supposed to be any good anyway. I'm an at risk kid, baby of three boys. Parents, dad's alcoholic, parents divorced, no education in my family. I'm, I'm a walk-on player who earned a scholarship. I'm a D-plus hire, walk-on coach, and, and we're going to be successful. And here's how we're <laughs> going to do it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take what we have. We're going to quit worrying about what we don't have, and we're going to make it great. We're going to make the best of what we have, number one. All right, that's what we're, we're going to become inside out. All right, I'm tired. And I wrote, I literally, I wrote down all the things that Clemson had never done. Mm. And I wrote down all the things that people said we couldn't do. Mm. Oh, well, they can't ever do this. And they can't ever do that. And I said, so here's the choice. We can listen to all that and be paralyzed by that. Or we can learn how to be inside out. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So we're going to learn how to think. We're going to learn how to believe. That's what we're going to do. We can do it. We can do it. All right, and then I'm just telling you, that's what I believe. So, and that's what God has taught me through my life. So y'all can get on board with that if you want. And again, I'm talking to a team. Nobody, nobody came there to play for me. And so I'm talking to these guys because what do I got to do? The first thing I do, I got to get these guys to buy into this vision. Mm. All right? And I said, here's how we're going to do it. And I took that quote from George uh, Washington Carver that says, when you do the common things in life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. I said, so here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do the common things and uncommon. You know what that is? Man, how we clean that locker room. Here's how, and I, and I put it up. I said, here's how the locker needs to look when you walk away. Mm -hmm. All right, when we get off the bus, there's not going to be any trash left on the bus for the bus driver. We're going to clean the trash. When we land at the airport, nobody's getting our luggage. Us coaches and the president and the AD, we're going to go get the luggage. When we leave the movie theater on Friday night, we're going to leave it cleaner than we got there. And we do, we bring blowers, we blow it out, you know? And I said, and so we've created this culture. In fact, we got a, we lost at Notre Dame this year and we got a letter from Notre Dame talking about they'd never have, had anybody leave the locker room the way they left it. I read that to my team. I said, guys, this is one of the most proudest things. We had just lost the game. Everybody was devastated, double overtime. I said, this is what, this is awesome, mm -hmm. right? This is what it's all about. Gosh, when, when we won the national championship in 2016, we lost to Alabama in 15, you know, and it's like, God, it was frustrating. You're down. I'm sick, man. You just, we were supposed to win, right? Well, we didn't, but God never says, oops. He never says my bad. So we come back the next year. All right. And we're going to play them in Tampa for the national championship again. And I, I told, I said, we're going to win the game. I'm not really sure how, but we're going to win it. I said, cause you guys love each other, man. I, I see it every day. And that's going to be the difference in this game. Mm. And I said, but guess what? All right. Here's how we're going to do it. Just by doing the con if we do the common things in an uncommon way, gosh. all right, how we line up, how we get to the ball, how we get on and off the field, how we, where we put our eyes, our fundamentals. We just do the common things in an uncommon way. Our passion, we will command the attention of the world. And we won the national championship with one second 
<laughs> on the clock. We beat an unbelievable Alabama team, and only God can. That's just God's favor, man. That's just God's grace and favor, and and that and only He could orchestrate something like that. But but it started with being able to build a culture, and so to build a, in my world, it's a culture. It's through graduation. It's through accountability. It's through discipline. It's it's through recruiting. But it all comes back to people. It all comes back to people and having that vision and getting everybody to, to buy into that and fall in love with that. And so that's what we've done. And we've done it every, and every year we start over every year we start. So we'll take five days this July and we'll get together and we'll go through every page of that book right there. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about the first page. You know what the first page in that book is mm-hmm. attitude. We'll first spend page. 30 minutes talking about attitude. And guys that are, I want to say one thing that are on audio, that book is gargantuan just so you know <laughs> but i want to just say one thing this is like a legendary podcast you don't know this because you don't do a lot of podcasts this is a freaking legendary podcast but i have two concerns number one there are people that were driving 55 miles an hour that are now driving 104 there's a lot of tickets you said it was just me and two guys talking to each other i told you there was a lot of people and you know it and then the other part you pour people on treadmills that were level five you're like level 26 right now pouring and sweat but I got I just like I'm, I'm so glad I introduced you the way I did as one of the great leaders in American sports but I would amend it now like just one of the great leaders of people I mean I'm blown away I mean I'm my hands are a little bit shaking right now and I do a lot of stuff coach I mean I I do a lot of stuff so I'm I just want to tell you in the middle of this how grateful I am for you and your willingness to share so openly and I I got to ask you you talked about recruiting I just want to know about this because you're both a great recruiter and you get great recruits so a because a lot of people that are entrepreneurs look getting the right people on the bus matters you can find the seats as you go right and so all entrepreneurs out there asking the key i said you gotta get great people right but they got to fit your culture too so two questions you can answer them together what makes a great recruiter recruiter and what makes a great recruit for you yeah well i think what makes a great recruiter is is being relationship driven, like really being genuine and authentic. Like there's something that there's a term in my world. Sometimes you'll hear, you know, you go and you recruit, you sign this great class. And then I've had coaches over the years in my journey, they'll say, all right, now we got to de-recruit them. I don't like that. Like if you got to de-recruit somebody, that means you weren't genuine and authentic in the process. Yeah. So, so, so I think what makes a great recruiter is, is, is being able to connect. And how do you connect with somebody? Just be yourself, you know, uh, don't be something that God didn't create you to be, be who you are, be genuine, be authentic. All right. And, and you gotta be detailed. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you can't, you, you gotta take the steps, right? There's no elevator. You gotta put the work in and you have to, you have to be relationship driven sooner or later. You know, it's like, I tell my coach, you know, you can Twitter and I don't do any of the social media stuff, but you can, you can do all that stuff and tight and, Sooner or later, you got to come from, you got to get in, you got to talk to somebody. Right. You know, and you got to be able to, to, to sit down with, you know, mom and grandma and dad and, and the same things that I've talked about, be able to lay out a vision, not just for your program, but a vision for how that young person is going to thrive in your program. Right. And so that connectivity, you have to be able to connect and articulate. So that's one thing, but then also, it's, it's having a belief in what you're recruiting them to do. Like you, like, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you work for Adidas, 
but you hate Adidas. You just work there. Well, that's not good. You know, you have to be passionate about what you do and you have to have a belief in who you do it with, you know, if you're going to be a good recruiter. So that's, that's first and foremost. And then what makes a great recruit uh, for us here at Clemson is you, you, you couldn't have said it better. You have to fit the culture, you know? Uh, I mean, uh, it just is what it is. And Coach, have you met a kid, have you, have you, have you had a kid where you're like this, 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 I won't, doesn't matter the position. This is the number one quarterback in, on the planet. We get this guy, we got three years of the run keeps going, but you end up hearing something about their background or maybe they don't like faith. I don't know. I don't know what it might be. Have you just said, no, we pass. You've done that. I think, I think again, again, what makes a good recruiter is being disciplined. All right. Being disciplined to what you believe in, what's your criteria, what, what the fit is. All right. And so, you know, cause there's a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll say, Oh, well, I mean, you could get lazy and just say, Oh man, here's all these so-called five-star rated guys or whatever. And you can get lazy. And next thing you know, you're out of a job. You know, you have to have, you have to be convicted as a recruiter, like, like, okay, he's only rated a two-star. I don't understand why no one else has offered Grady Jarrett, who's now the 37th highest paid athlete in the world for the Atlanta Falcons. Why is he, why is he not have any offers? Like, you have to be convicted in what you see, what you believe, all right? That's number one, okay? And then vice versa. Here's this five-star. He's got 75 offers, and you're watching the tape, and you're going, ah, I don't see it. Yeah, really. You know, I don't see it. You, you, so, you, you know, I've just always relied on my gut and my instincts. Uh, but, but when it comes to the fit, like, I empower every one of my coaches. I, I tell them, you're the head coach at your position but I better never hear you complain about your players. All right. And so as a result, we're, we're very, very slow in the process, but you know, what's happened. It's become our brand. Like, yeah. like a kid may have 50 offers. He, he just knows people just know that Clemson doesn't offer many people and we're very slow in the process. Mm-hmm. All right. But we've done it our way to this point. I've not taken transfers or junior college. I've done it all through high school evaluation. Yeah. That's how we won here. And so we have to be right. And so it's academics. I mean, there has to be, he could be a great, great player, but does he have the academics? to not just get in, but to stay in and value education because that's a part of our culture is valuing education. This is a family atmosphere. Not everybody's looking for, you know, family. Some people just want to go make sausage. Well, that's great. No problem. All right. But that's, this is a, this is different. This is a relationship driven program. I mean, we're going to love and serve and care for you. All right, we're going to equip you with the tools that you need. We're going to, if you come here, we're going to serve your heart, not your talent. So what that means is if you're out smoking dope and skipping class and all that, you ain't playing. Hmm. So I'm just telling you up front, this ain't the place for you. I'm going to be very transparent. And so by being very transparent, you're going to attract the guys who really are looking for discipline, looking for accountability. They really want that structure because there's a lot of that's there's there's still a lot of kids out there that really want that, yeah, you know. Yeah. They want that 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 uh, family aspect of it. This yeah. is a relationship for the rest of our life. That's kind of how I look at it, you know. And so so if you look at if you went right now and looked at how many offers were out, there's 65 Power Five teams in Division One football. You know, we're probably third or fourth in fewest offers in the country. We just don't offer many guys. Uh, but but but. These coaches know I empower them, but Mm -hmm. 
but they also know I'm going to hold them accountable, mm. you know, and because if there's a problem, guess who's, guess whose office it's going to end up in mine. Mm. And so, you know, they know, they know the culture. They, this place is not easy. We have a ton of fun and everybody, you know, when they see that's part of us, we want to have a great experience. We want to have some fun, but our culture is one that squeezes people up. You know, you, if you're not all in here, you're not going to blend in and that's okay. You know, kids are kids, but the culture is going to squeeze you and it's, it's not going to be the other way around and squeeze you down. All right. We're going to squeeze you up. And, and so that's, that's what we've created. And so to, to sustain that, you got to get the right people. You got to have the right staff. They got to believe my staff's been together a long time. There's a reason why a lot of these guys don't leave. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's because they believe wholeheartedly in what we do and how we do it. We're, we, we, we say we're an uncommon program. We're a unique program. Nine. Out, so second winningest team in the country the last decade, but nine out of those same 10 years, we've been top 10 academically with Duke and Northwestern. So I've had 289 seniors and 284 graduates. Well, what's the first thing in the vision of our program? Graduation, 98% graduation rate. So we're winning at a really, really high level on both sides of the, uh, of the coin here. And there's no perfect people. There's no perfect places. But what separates people and places is how you respond. Mm. You know, it's not are you going to ever have a mistake or a problem or whatever. I mean, I got 135 young people on my team. Yeah. It's how you respond. Yeah. Can I ask and, you about that? I want to ask you about yeah. that, the 135 thing. I just want to acknowledge one thing, guys. Scarcity creates value. And so one of the things with these few offers, they become more valuable because they're more scarce. That's important. Okay. So just understand that's also a strategy. People yes. waiting around, people waiting exactly around right. for that Clemson offer. If they get it, it's a big deal, right? right. So there's, there's a little game there. He's nodding and saying, yes, not game, but that's just part, one of the benefits of being so guarded with your culture. And so, well, hey, 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 let me stop you there, Ed. Keep that thought because you just hit on it. That's why I know you're a smart dude. All right. So we had, so about three years ago, two or three years ago, NCAA changed all this stuff. Used to, you could only do official visits. That means where we can pay for the family to come in and the kid, and it's a big dog and pony show for a whole weekend. We used to could only do that their senior year, you know, from, from September to January. That's when official visits took place. And we always did ours in December and January. Occasionally, you might have one in November. That's kind of always been our philosophy. Well, that about three years ago, they changed the rules, and they say, oh, you can start doing official visits in April, May, and June. And so, well, well, guess what? All these kids want to go on these official visits. And so my staff, we had this big come to Jesus staff meeting. And I mean, they were really challenging me, man. They had, they were all, they were loaded for bear waiting on me to walk in there. They had their plan. They've been, you know, they, they were ready. So they're going to make their presentation on why we have to start doing official visits in the spring. Well, and I listened and I said, we're not doing that. And they, and they go, coach, how are we going to, I mean, how are we going to recruit? I mean, Alabama and Georgia and all these people are doing official business and we're not going to do it. And I said, no, we're not going to do it. I said, just because everybody's doing something, don't make it right. I said, that's first, that's first of all. And then I said, what's the number one thing in our program? It's a family atmosphere, right? I said, so now y'all telling me April, May, June, we're going to be tour guides every weekend. All right. I said, so when am I going to coach my son's baseball team? And when are y'all going to be at your daughter's uh, recitals? When are we going to be dads? I, so so at, at when is enough enough, guys? And I said, I said, we built our program to this point now. We'd already won a national championship. I said, guys, every kid in the country, heck yeah, 
I can fly to Clemson, eat steaks, hang out with the Tigers, stay in a nice hotel, bring my family, sign me up for that. I'm in. And I said, if they're not going to come unofficially on their own and be invested, pay their way, guess what? They're not coming for four years. All right. So, so here's, I said, so I hear y'all. And I mean, it was, you know, there was some, there were some ruffled neck hairs because yeah. everybody's trying to figure out how they're going to explain to these coaches that are saying, you know, he's high school. Well, you know, well, he's visiting here. Y'all going to visit him. And I said, well, guess what? We'll get the kids that we're supposed to get. Wow. That's what I believe. And so I just want you to know to this day, we're, we have yet to do an, an official visit in the spring. That's Even crazy. I did not know that. All these people getting ready to do these official visits. We've not done it. So all these kids, when they, if I, we've got DJ Uyunglele, my quarterback, came three times from LA, mm. paid his way, you know, but that's one of the reasons he, but I knew he was interested. I knew he was invested. All right. I knew he understood who we were. And, and to your point, I mean, and I, and I pulled out a little quote and I read it and I said, you know, hey, what, how, do you ever see any Rolls Royce commercials? You know, do you ever <laughs> see any of them? Right. No. Right. No, there ain't no advertising going on for for Bentleys, yeah. you know, or whatever. I say, hey, we're different. We're unique. And I was like, and, and I wrote it down. I said, write it down on the board. And if I'm wrong, hey, we'll change it. I'm not saying I'm right. I said, that's just what I believe. That's my gut. And I said, and we're uncommon. And I said, write it down. We'll have over 20 commitments by August. We had 22 commitments by August. And you know what? What has happened, Ed, is now that has become our brand. Now, these kids, they're not offended. Even the coaches, they're like, that's just how Clemson does things. Yeah. You know, but guess what? They still want that Clemson offer. And, and, and when a kid comes unofficially, then, then he's sending me a message yep. that he truly is interested, that he truly is invested yep. in the things that we offer here. Listen, I wanna, I'm going to jump in on this. I just want everyone to get this. You're going to be a great recruiter. There's a little bit of a takeaway. There's a little bit of prestige to what you're doing. And you can create that. You don't have to have an undefeated season or a company that's making $300 million in profits to do that. It's gotta be, by the way, and you have to believe that you're worthy, your product, your service, your business, your family, whatever it might be, your class, your team, you're worthy of that level of prestige or exclusivity or uniqueness to you, right? That's just, it's a huge deal. This is like a master class on leadership and recruiting, but there's what? one thing I gotta ask you because I've always wondered this about you. Lots of coaches talk about faith in the locker room, right? Before a game, let's pray together. Or, or they're, they're, they're Christian men or women that lead teams. You were the first coach that I saw do it outside the locker room in like post-game interviews. Now, I'm sure it's been done before, but it's not been done before, to my understanding, on the level you compete at, the magnitude of your job. And I remember watching you get interviewed after a game going, this dude fires me up. Man, he always acknowledges God. He always says something about his faith, and that's bold. And I actually thought at first, I thought it was aggressive because, or, or amazing because, I wonder if it cost him some recruits, and it must be okay with him that he does do that. Was that a conscious thing where you're like, I'm going to be bold about what I believe in the locker I'm the same guy in the locker room that I am in an interview that I am with my family that I am coaching baseball. And I'm sure you might have caught a little flack for it at one point in your life for being so bold about it. I just want to know your thoughts about your faith, how it plays into being a coach, a leader, and your boldness about it. Oh yeah, I've caught a lot of flack uh, about that. I think you know uh, when that's why the Bible says you better put your armor on every day. Right. I mean, like every single day. Uh, you know, and listen, I, I I don't judge people or think. I just 
I just believe what I believe. And, and you know, Colossians 3.23 says, one of my favorite verses says, it says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, hmm. right? Whatever you do, hmm. all right? And I tell them, hey, if, if you're cleaning the room, your bedroom, do it as if you're working for the Lord because that's, that's the perspective God wants us to have. And, and that's, you know, we, we have a really crazy world. You know, we're, we're in a fallen world. Sin is real. The devil is real too. Nobody wants to acknowledge that. That's what I believe, mm -hmm. all right? And, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna meet my maker one day, but I know what I believe. And, and I believe in, in, in Jesus and I believe in, in God. And I believe that in Colossians where it says, whatever you do, you do it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord. And when you do something with all your heart, you, you're gonna go above and beyond. Amen. right in, in everything that you do and so god i don't i don't get how you can separate that and and so yeah i've had all kind of flack I, one year where some 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 group that man they tried to you know come and like they said all this crazy stuff like i'm only playing christian i'm like let me tell you something if i'm only playing christians we ain't winning like we winning i promise you you know ain't nobody <laughs> checking roll at chapel i got chapel but but i don't sit around and go oh you didn't come to chapel you don't play today no give me a break Right. You know, I just think you have to be who you are there. And that's what, that's what I said back then. There, there's nobody that comes to Clemson. If I was an atheist, guess what? Everybody who came to Clemson would know that. All right. I think you just be who you are, Beautiful. you know, and there's nobody that comes to Clemson and goes, well, that guy, man, I know coach Sweeney was a Christian, you mm -hmm. know? And so I just think you just be who you are. I know what my job is. My job is to win football games, but, but I know who my maker is too. And I know, that it, when you are a person of faith and you're a Christian, that's not something you turn on and off. You know, whatever you do, you do it as if you're working for the Lord. Beautiful. And so, yeah, I, I, my paycheck says Clemson University, but let me tell you, at the end of the day, I'm working for the Lord. Oh my because God. one of these days, there's going to be a scoreboard a whole lot bigger than the one that hangs out here in Death Valley. And it's going to be, I, you know, Dabo, I, did, I gave you all these things and all these young people, what did you do for me? And, and listen, my job's not to save them, but I, I do feel like, that I have a responsibility to, to, for, to, to be an example. And, and I try to live my, I'm, man, I'm the biggest sinner in the world. I try to live my life in a way that glorifies God. And in those moments from time to time, listen, I don't ever want anyone, we live in such a superficial world. I don't want anyone to ever think that, man, this is because anything that I am is because of God. Anything that I've done is because of God's favor on my life. God's grace, you know, man, God's grace and his favor, his, 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 his will, his Holy spirit, you know, leading the way. I mean, that's just how I look at it. And so, cause we live in this world now where everybody wants to put you up on this pedestal. And I, I try to be quick and say, Hey, listen, ain't nothing great about me. If there's anything great about me, it's the Holy spirit inside of me. All right. And guess what? Everybody can have that. And you said something a minute ago and listen, I, greatness is for everyone. And, and I told our team back in, in, in 2013, we beat Ohio State in, in our first ever BCS win on the Orange Bowl. And, and, and then we've beaten Alabama a couple of times. And we've, we've beaten some of these big, big schools. If we walked out there at, at, at the middle of the field and we compared checkbooks and we compared budgets and we compared all, we'd get dominated. Yeah, We would get smoked. Or if we guess how many number one recruiting classes we've had in 12 years as a head coach? Zero. Right. Zero. None. None. You know, so it's not all about that, all right? It's about, it's about people. It's about passion. It's about, you know, uh, uh, synergy. 
iron sharpening iron. It's about attitude. It's about belief. That's what it's all about. And so, you know, I, I don't see it as being bold when I give God the glory. You know, I don't want any. I don't, I don't coach either. I don't have glory for anything that, that, that happens in my life. We're, we're two guys that have that in common. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God, too. Thank God. And uh, but I'm told that I'm bold when I do it because I catch some criticism for it, just like you do. That's, I think, what I meant by bold. And and uh, I like you so much. Yeah, well, I can't worry. I just don't worry about that. You know, I mean, listen, I mean, that 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 outside noise is always going to be there. And, and again, if we spend our lives sitting around worried about, you know, what, who, what we need to worry about is pleasing God. And, and when you live your life and, and, and that's your belief, pleasing God, well, you're going to upset people. That's just part of it. And you know what? Um, the, 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 it, it goes back to what I said earlier, being inside out. You know, I don't know who said it, but there was a quote. I love it. It says, you know, ships don't sink because of the water around them. They, they sink because the water gets in them. Right. And so we can't let all that stuff in us. Yeah, and, you know, we got to let the light inside of us be brighter than the light on us at all times, you know? And so the light gets bright, man. That was the last thing I told our team in 16. I was like, hey, you know, this is what we got to do. The light's going to be bright, man. But we've got to we got to let the light inside of us be brighter. What an opportunity that we have. And, and listen, you know what? Some of the best opportunities that we have is when we have failed miserably. All right. That's, that's, that's when, especially when you're a Christian, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. That's what God teaches us. It's all good. All things, all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord. And so it's a mindset. It's a mentality. Yeah, it sucks. We hate it. We don't, we, you know, but guess what? All things. All right. And so we're all here for, for a blink of an eye. I mean, a blur. I mean, we've lived long enough. You and I, we've seen young, young people die. I've spoken at a bunch of funerals. I've had, play, you know, former players die. I've had family die. We've all, we, it's boom. It's a blink of an eye. Yeah. So are we going to live for something that's just superficial? You know, that's not my choice. And, and here's the good thing about the God we serve. He gives us the choice. It's a, it's, it's a choice and it's everybody's choice. But I hope that, that we can live our lives in a way where maybe other people may say, you know what, there's just something different. Yeah. And, and you say, well, let me tell you about that. There's this guy named Jesus. And man, if you just put your eyes on him in the good and bad and you believe and you don't quit, man, he's, he, he's going he, he's gonna to bless your life. And some things this side of eternity we'll never know, we'll never understand. Yeah. All right. But that's what faith's all about. You know, yeah. it's really just, just believing when you don't understand. And then one of these days when we meet our maker, man, we, we're going we're gonna to celebrate and, uh, you know, and, and see the bigger picture uh, of life. So awesome. I, I was saying earlier, I just like you. <laughs> I just <laughs> like you. I respect you, but I like you. I'm so glad I like you. You know, when you have somebody from a distance you've admired, then you meet them that kind of exceed your expectations. That's a wonderful thing. And you're doing that for me. And I know this for millions of people too. All right, two questions I got for you. And by the way, thank you in advance. Yeah. I'm speaking on behalf of, so many people. This is a masterclass. This is legendary stuff. You see, if you're an entrepreneur, or even if you're a, you could be driving in your car right now, and you're a mother, and you got to pick your two kids up. You got to get them back home. You got somewhere to go after that. You got a class you're taking. You got people have busy, big lives right now. I was talking to a NFL guy that you and I both know, 
and he has a big life. Like he's got car dealerships. He's retired now, but he was the GM of a football team, but he's still involved in it. And he's got his golf life and his college alma mater life that he's involved in. And he's got a family and he's got grandkids now. Right. And he's got endorsements that he still has and businesses. He runs, he's going to manage his money and manage his life. He goes to church. It's a big old life, right? A lot of people feel that way. Running a college football team like you do, I don't think most people know, but it never stops because you got to constantly be recruiting. You got boosters to deal with. You got alumni. You got, you know, tickets. You got to win. You got the offensive scheme, the defensive scheme. You got everything. I mean, there's all this stuff. Then you got your little league team, your family. You just got all this stuff. What do you do to keep it all going? Like, that's a big old life, right? Like, how do you keep all that going? Yeah, it, it, it is a lot, but. It goes back to, you know, just just chasing your passion, man. Just loving what you do and and then loving those that you do it with. Surround yourself with good people. You know, I can't I can't do everything by myself. And you know, uh, the Bible even says that it says, you know, where 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 there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of good counselors, there is safety. So, you know, I've surrounded myself by a bunch of great people, okay. I have a wife uh, who's a rock star. We met in the first grade. You know, we started going together. We, go, we called it going together back in those days. We started going together in the sixth grade and dated all through high school and college. Been married 27 years now. I've got three wonderful boys. I got two great dogs. You know, so I've surrounded myself. But, but the number one thing is you got to stay connected to the vine. You know, for me, it all comes back to faith. All right. God's not going to put any more on us than, than, than we can handle. All right. And, and this is just what God's called me to do. And I submit to that, you know, like he, he's called me like, this is what he's called me to do, you know? And, and he, if I keep my eyes on him, all right, he's going to fill me up. You know, what happens is everybody's got all this stuff. All right. One of the things I do with, 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 when I speak and I go to churches or something, I'll, I'll bring a football, and, and, you know, and, and, and sometimes I'll do this with my team. And well, I do it every year with my team. I'll bring a football up in front of the room and it's all pumped up hard football. And I'll bring a guy up and I'll say, I right, stand on this ball. And, it, and you see, you can visualize this, you know, they're trying to stand on this football. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, well, that's how your life's going to be if that's the foundation of your life. Uh, and so I think it's the same thing for anybody. You can apply that if, the jo- if your job is your foundation of your life, if your country club's the foundation of your life, if your bank account's the foundation of your life, if your family is the foundation of your life, you're going to always be empty. It, nothing will fill you up. All right. And so, you know, and then I'll take a flat football and I'll, I'll hold that and I'll say this flat football can't fulfill the purpose that it was created for, right? because it doesn't have any air in it. So it'd be hard to kick, it'd be hard to throw, it'd be hard to do all these things. You know, and it's the same thing with us as people. I don't think we can have joy in our life. I don't think we can have, uh, fulfill what we've been created to do if we, don't, if we don't have that air inside of us. And for me, from a biblical standpoint, a faith standpoint, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's going to fill you up, man. He's going to pump you up so that you can fulfill the purpose that you were created for. And you're not going to, he's not going to put any more on you than you can handle. All right. And he's going to order your steps. You know, we make all of our plans, right? But God's plans are way different than ours. Every now and then they'll line up. All right. But, but most of the time his plans are so much grander than what, than what we have. And so you got to stay connected. 
you know, for me, that's just, that's all I can answer. I know everybody's not a Christian. Listen to this, but for me, you ask me the question, yes. how do I balance all these things? Man, I keep my eyes on the Lord. You know, it's prayer. It's quiet time. I need time to think. Mm-hmm. It's quiet time. It's, it's, it's vacation. Man, I schedule, I do a 13-month calendar every July, and I, every day is planned out through the next August. So 13 months because we're going to be organized. All right. We're not going to just fly by the seat of our pants. I need the wives to know when everybody's off. We need to plan vacations. We need to create some white space. You know, I got to learn how to say no. Uh, I've got to stay connected. You know, I've got to have that, that, that daily devotion. I've got to have the prayer time. I got to have that small group. I got to go to church, man. I need, I got to, I got to let that Holy spirit fill me up. And guess what? When you keep your eyes on the Lord, you can have joy in what you're doing. You know, you take that word joy, and that's Jesus, others, yourself, all right? When you focus on Jesus, then you focus on others, and then you focus on yourself, then, then you're going to have joy in your journey. And that's the perspective. I had a long talk with the basketball coach at Baylor this year. We talked about that. He, they made that their, their, their theme, a culture of joy. And I think to have a – I see so many people. I know people that have more money than they could ever spend in their life, and they're miserable. They're the most miserable people you'll ever meet. Yes. All right? But, and then I see some people that have very little, and they're like the happiest, kindest people you ever meet. You bet. All right? But, but – and there's nothing wrong with money or having things. What is, but, but it's the perspective that God wants us to have. Mm-hmm. And, and when we have our focus on those right things, then you can have joy in the journey. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's not about some destination. It's not about some great moment. It's about living our lives every day with a joyful, grateful heart. And when you have that and you're connected to the vine, you know, if you see a, if you see an old branch laying on the side of next to a tree that's broken off, what happens? It withers and it dies. Yeah. But when you stay connected, all right, then you have a chance to really live a fulfilling life and have, and, and you know what? And, and, and be peaceful in whatever it is that you're doing and whatever it is you're having. I like people look at me today and they're like, Oh, well, that's easy for him. He's a, he's, he's, they, they put my salary in the thing and he's this, that, well, give me a break. Let me, let me tell you something. You know, this was God's journey for me. I didn't get into coaching to make money. My wife was a school teacher and I said, you know what? I'm going to coach football. And I made 30, I was a full-time coach at Alabama making $38,000. I thought we were rich. She's making 26,000. I'm making 38,000. We got, we don't know what we're going to do with all this money. We're, we were happy. And, and we had a, I had a path that I wanted to chase in my life. All right. Never in a million years would I have even dreamed that I would be where I am right now. Okay. You know, but, but, it's just God's grace and God's favor. The other and thing God gives you, though, God will keep you. He yeah. will help you. Just, 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 man. He'll put you in the soil that He wants you in if you let it. Yeah. The other thing that God, the Holy Spirit, does is it gives you. You, you listen to this man's incredible words, I and mean, sometimes when I speak, it happens too. And I know you get this feeling too. I'm like, I don't even know where some of this stuff comes from, but I do. That is the Holy Spirit working on you. Here's how I know that. My last question involved this thing I saw on you for years, which is joy. And you literally covered it as you were answering. There's a joy about you. Ask yourself a question, everybody, as you're listening to Coach talk today. Wouldn't you want to go play for him if you were a player? If it was a company, wouldn't you want to go work with him? If it was a product, wouldn't you want to buy it from him? And maybe you go back and listen to this again and think about all these principles, the way he delivers them, the way he articulates them. And I think it might make you a better mother, a better father, a better business leader, maybe a better coach if you're a coach, a better entrepreneur, 
better business person, maybe a better person in your faith. And I think that's what you do, coach. I think you help people get better. I think you, I think you care. And I think you help people get better. And um, you did that for me today. You did it for me today. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, I'm, I'm rarely this quiet during a show because <laughs> uh, there's, there's just too much value in what you have to say than for me to jump in. I know my audience is like, Ed, you were quiet today. Well, what the heck would I jump in and interrupt this for, right? So coach, I'm very grateful. Thank you for today. Thanks for having me. I speak on behalf of anybody, and I've told you this privately too. If there's anything I can ever do for you, I'm here. You consider me a friend now. And I just want everybody that's listened to this or watched it today, subscribe if you're not, share it. Obviously, this is one of these that's just going to go poof, go viral because of the level of content here today. And so, Davo Sweeney, thank you for being here today. Everybody listening or watching, God bless you. Continue to max out your life. And thank you. Thank you so much, Coach. Yeah, man. Hey, listen, you got to come. You got to come see the tiger someday and speak to these guys and, and I appreciate your passion and uh, unbelievable questions. First of all, you, you know, you only have a good interview based on the type of questions, man. You, you hit me in some of my sweet spots. Um, last thing, the last thing I'll leave you yeah. is, is kind of what we, we live our life with around here every single day that we walk in our team room every day, they see a big old windshield on the screen and a rear view mirror. All right, uh, because it's always about what's next. It's always about, that's the mentality, all right? That's the mentality we have to have. We got to keep our dreams greater than our memories, all right? That's what it's always about. You know, the rearview mirror is very, very small, right? And, and, we, and what happens is, you know, we spend our lives looking in the rearview mirror and we, we you know, we crash, you know, we, because something bad happened or something great happened. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, you know why Tom Brady's so successful and some of these people? Because guess what? They don't live their life in the rearview mirror. You know, it's it's all, they attack what's next in there and they they have joy in the journey. They love what they do and 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 it's a chance to go win again. You know, it's a chance to go do it again. You know, get your eyes out of the rearview mirror, man. We 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 had failures, we we screwed up, we made mistakes, or man, we we made a million dollars last year. We did all well. Guess what? Nobody cares. Touchdowns <laughs> don't carry over to this year. It's yeah. always about what's next. Mm. And so if you really want to, you know, be successful, get your eyes in the windshield. There's a reason why it's bigger than that little, little rearview mirror. So it's a windshield mentality, man. Attack what's next. Have fun doing it. And just be committed to, to, to being your best with whatever it is you got. And, uh, man, good things will happen for you. They call that, folks, a mic drop right there. <laughs> the show. Showing everybody the mic on the video. All right, guys. Max out. Coach. Can I, I don't even know what to say. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Share it. I, I, I appreciate it. Good, good to be with you. Coach, thank you. This is the Ed Milet Show.